Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 68. Hello, hello, and hello, November. Hi, everyone. And if you're near here, welcome to the Healing Catalyst podcast. I'm your host, Avanti, and I'm so thrilled that you're here spending part of your day with me listening to this podcast. So here we are, November. And as many of you know, a new month means a new intention on the podcast. So this month, we're going to look at connection with others as medicine. Given that the holiday gatherings and parties and events are in full swing, I thought that exploring connection with others, the different ways that we connect with others and how connection can be healing, how connection is medicine would be a really helpful intention as we roll on into the holidays. You know, we sort of set the stage last month with an exploration of connection to self because connecting with others starts with the self. And as I was thinking about all the ways that we connect with other people, I got really excited because the guests that I have this month are absolutely incredible. Not just because I know all of them personally, which I do, which actually blows me away, but also because they're leaders in their fields. And each of them has such a unique perspective that I know you'll love to learn about. To give you a little preview, we'll be talking about connection through music, through gathering, through food, and through story. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a single new episode. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while and love what you're hearing, I'd love it if you would just take a minute to leave a five-star review with a few words about how the podcast has helped you. Your reviews are the most important thing that helps this podcast grow and reach more people. There's a link in the show notes to make it really easy for you. And if you take a screenshot of your review and send it to me via direct message on Instagram, I'll send you a signed copy of my book, The Health Catalyst. And nothing, nothing would make me happier than sending hundreds of signed copies of my books to all of you, my amazing podcast community. Now let's dive into the first exploration of connection to others through music with my guest, Laura Branch. Laura is currently a senior regional director at Gilead Sciences. And before that, she was the bureau chief for LGBT health and the director of STI HIV administration at the Chicago Department of Public Health. In addition to being a public health administrator and educator, both nationally and here in Chicago, Laura is also a video producer, podcast host, and a solo artist, seen by many as a pioneer DJ in Chicago's house music scene and one of, if not the first women to grace the decks. Laura has been featured in a number of documentaries, articles, and television specials. She's held residencies in numerous Chicago clubs, has played opening sets for several recording artists, including Lauren Hill, Arrested Development, Tribe Called Quest, and has co-produced television and film projects such as Kevin's Room, 40th, The Story of Robert's Temple, and the Wrap It Up Chicago series. 
She currently co-hosts the Vintage House radio program on WNUR in Chicago and is a board member of the Modern Dance Music Research and Archiving Foundation. In our conversation, we dive into Laura's start in the house music scene in Chicago, where she was one of the original DJs at the infamous Warehouse, where house music was born, and where she was spinning with the likes of Steve Silk Hurley, Alan King, Craig Loftus, and Frankie Knuckles, to name a few. We also talk about the magic of house music, what it is and how it differs from other genres of music and why it connects people so incredibly deeply, why it has the power to help people heal. You know, I first met Laura almost 30 years ago when I first graduated from college and was working in public health here in Chicago. And she has been a mentor and a dear friend to me ever since. She's had a huge impact on me personally and on my journey as a health professional and educator. And so this is a full circle moment for me to have her as a guest on my podcast. I am so honored to bring you my beautiful conversation with Laura Branch about the power of music for healing and connection to others. Well, Lori, I am so excited to talk to you. It's bright and early on a Monday morning, and you are the first person I get to talk to today, so I'm so excited. Thank you for doing this with me. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. I love your show. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. You know, I have to say, I've been thinking about you all weekend as I was preparing to do this interview with you. You know, for the audience, you have been a mentor to me since I graduated from college. So it's been, we've known each other for almost 30 years, which is crazy. For background, you know, I remember meeting you. I was doing a training just as I was getting started at Cook County Hospital, running a grant for them as soon as I graduated from college. Uh, and this was before I went to medical school. And I remember meeting you at a training and there was something about you that just pulled me in. And one thing led to another. And the next thing I knew, you were my mentor and I was doing all these cool, amazing things in Chicago. <laughs> like as a young woman going into the health professions in Chicago, you expanded my perspective so much. And I got to do things with you that I don't know that I would have had an opportunity to do if I hadn't met you. So wow. I don't know. I was just reflecting on that. So thank you for all of that. I mean, I'm so excited to talk to you. That that makes my heart grow two times bigger today. So <laughs> I'm listen, we were all trying to to make a difference and you had a, a deep impact on my life as well. Mm. And uh I, I really appreciate uh, our friendship. And I admire what you have done over the years. And if I played any tiny part of it, then boy, am I lucky. Oh, no, you did in more ways than you know. I saw you a few weeks ago for a celebration that you were having with your family. And I was reflecting on how much you have impacted me in ways that I probably have never been able to tell you. So I'm going to tell you all that today oh, throughout wow. our, our talk. But I want to get started because... You know, as I said, we met when I was working at Cook County Hospital. You were at CDPH, the Chicago Department of Public Health, I think, right? Yes, That's where you I were think so. at that time. Yeah. And you were a community activist in community health, HIV AIDS education, because this was the early 90s that we're talking about. Yep. Yep. And I was running a grant for peer education in HIV and AIDS for Cook County Hospital. And so that's how we got brought together. I know you from that world. Yes. Which is really interesting. 
I know you from your community activist, public health world, but you have this whole other world of music and a deep history in the history of Chicago's music scene, which is incredible. Whenever I say that you're one of my mentors, people are like, Lori Branch, she's a mentor. How do you know her? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, oh my God, she's like one of the originals in house music in Chicago. And I would love to know, like, how did you go from, you know, DJ, music, filmmaking, all this art into community activism in public health? Like, yeah, how did that happen? Well, well, thank you. And thanks again for having me. The leap was not as strange as it might seem, because there were some common elements in my life at the time. So I was, you know, graduating from high school in 1980. It was around the time that a few things were were converging. So we had this new music that was coming out called, it wasn't called house music, but it was different than disco. Disco was kind of dying. And there was this new kind of electronic sound that was starting to converge with disco at some of these clubs that were also part of the gay community. So I was kind of finding my identity as a bisexual woman and really wanting to understand myself. I'm like 18 years old and and just coming into life. And I found myself in these clubs because that was where you went to meet people. And I was drawn in by the music and I was really drawn in by the community. Now, these were predominantly gay men. They were mostly older. I was hanging around a bunch of gay guys from high school. We were all trying to sort of figure it out. So we would end up in a, this one club called The Warehouse. Very popular club in Chicago. It's kind of iconic. Um, it's sort of our version of Studio 54, but but one of the original places where you had this um, these, 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 this integration of all parts of the city you know, different walks of life, different people from different backgrounds who were coming together in this community of music. And we were all sort of drawn into it. And, you know, we, the ages were probably, it was a juice bar. So you, you could, you had to be 18. We were 17. We snuck in and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you were drawn into this music. There was a whole culture around, around the gay community that was really attractive. And not only the gay people, there was, a, there were straight people there. There were blacks, whites, Asian all, all kinds of folks came to this venue. And at the same time, I was sort of learning about the impact of, of health, especially in the early 80s, HIV, on that very community. So while I was doing this, I was beginning my career as I would, I put that in air quotes, as a <laughs> DJ myself, because we were drawn into the music. I was part of a social club. There weren't any women who were doing DJing uh, sort of in the that early house music scene. And the gentleman uh, whose name is Eric Bradshaw, who uh, was, was one of my mentors, he was you know my age, but just really a brilliant dude, um, really encouraged me to, to translate my love of music into serving people because I was kind of had that community spirit activist. My father was a minister, my mom's a teacher, and I'm always kind of lecturing everybody. <laughs> it's like, you sort of, so, you know, do, do something with music. And so I got a, I got a DJ mentor and I learned how to mix records. This was very beginning stages of learning how to blend, how to create a, a, a storyline that would go the entire night. And I started DJing and I was in the, in the gay community. I was in the straight community. I was working with kids. I was working with adults. And so I got exposed to a lot of those different elements very early on that seemed to lead to the the public health work that I did later on. 
mm-hmm. I'm skipping over a little bit. <laughs> no, that's that's amazing because some of the things that I got to do with you were public health education types of events that were centered on music and community and creating community and a safe space for kids to talk about their experiences. And so it's funny because when I was that age, it just was so cool. It was like, oh my God, what a great way to bring people together and talk about these issues and talk about these things. And I don't think I realized how in a way innovative it was mm-hmm. at the time yeah. until I look back and think about the fact that we were doing that, you know, at that time when nobody was really doing those kinds of events or kinds of community types of things in an organized way in that way. No, I agree. I agree. It was, uh, you know, being a DJ and seeing the power that community can make by bringing in music and having content that is positive and appealing to people's sense of being present with each other um, and integrating educational messages. It just felt like a no-brainer to me. And so I was approached by one of our, our friends, well, my friend Tracy Fishman, who I think became a mutual friend of ours, and she had this uh, was a similar concept called Club Prophylactic in California. And so that was the name yeah. of the party. And he wanted, she wanted to do it in Chicago. And somehow somebody led her to me like, oh, I should meet Lori Brand. She does this kind of work. And I was immediately drawn to it. I'm like, well, let's get other folks, you know, who work with adolescents um, and create a new community where we can bring kids together in a safe space where they can experience great music, where they can be educated in a creative way. You know, we didn't have, you know, typical booths at a health fair. We had a fortune teller who would you know, right. talk, talk about <laughs> what your fortune might be, you know, if you, if you went this route or that route with safer sex or what have you. And, and we had games and we had lights and we had DJs. And so it was a really um, popular way to, to bring kids into a, a discussion that normally they wouldn't have. Right. That had a lot of taboo, a lot of stigma around, because it was not only talking about sex and sex education, but it was talking about HIV and AIDS. So you had like this double whammy of the sort of stigma around those things. And then you're talking about these issues with kids, with, you know, teenagers. And so making that safe environment to have those conversations was pretty incredible. Okay. I want to backtrack for a second because I want to talk about house music because this month we're talking about connection to others. And I really wanted to talk about how music connects us, right? Mm-hmm. First, let's start with like, what is house music? You, you talked about it a little bit. For those of my listeners who may not know, you know, I also had to educate myself and really understand, you know, I've heard about it because I've lived in Chicago forever. I was exposed yes. to you. And, but what is house music? And then the follow-up question to that is, what is it about house music that connects people? Because you started by talking about that when you first opened and, and talked about how you got started. What is it about house music that creates such a community? So let's talk about those two things. All right. I will start with what is house music. Yes, please. (laughs) House music is a genre. I like to say it's kind of an umbrella genre that includes a lot of different types of music, but its name is uh, much debated. But as I mentioned, the club, The Warehouse, was a club in Chicago uh, on the, in the South Loop area, kind of a deserted area of town at that time. It's, it's pretty, pretty booming now. Yeah. But sort of the West South Loop of Chicago 
where uh, a lot of warehouses were and and empty buildings. And so this was a club that was popularized in late 70s, early 80s. Um, the DJ was Frankie Knuckles. The owner's name was Robert Williams. Uh, Frankie has passed, but Robert is still very much with us. And it was a, it was a very popular nightclub. Um, so the term house music, uh, many will say, <laughs> came from the warehouse because many of its the house music, I would say artists, were patrons there. Frankie Knuckles was a, was a house music DJ. He was one of the original people to start taking disco music and integrating electronic uh, parts to it. So using technology to enhance you know, songs that you would hear on the radio and make them different. So you would only hear these types of songs in this club by this DJ. And that's what was the allure is that you were hearing something that was on this amazing sound system in this really carefully curated space that you wouldn't get that experience anywhere else. So it was kind of like the mecca of music if you were a DJ or if you were just a, a person who loved dance music. Um, so the term house music, people will say, uh, clearly the warehouse contributed to its name. You would see record stores that had a little label that said, we play warehouse music. And then it was kind of shortened to say, we play house music. Now there's another camp that says, well, there were teenagers making music in their house. And so we think the term came from there because a lot of these teenagers were young and they weren't even old enough to get into the warehouse. So how did they <laughs> get that terminology? Um, yeah. So I like to give credit to both. It was, uh, you know, kind of a synergy that was happening in Chicago around that time. And uh, that's the term. And what it means is uh, it's, it's a style of music that is it's characterized by a kind of a four to the floor. We call it four to the floor beat. So it's, it's consistent. It typically is around 120 to 130 beats per minute. And it includes um, different, different styles. The early house music was much more sort of raw. And you, you just had, you know, people using these new technology. There's a machine called the 808. Um, it's, it's like a drum machine that was used to like create music. Um, these early innovators, most of whom were my friends I went to either high school with or we sort of hung out together, who were using this, this really raw machinery to just make new music, stuff that wasn't even intended uh, to, to make music. And, and uh, it, it was popularized. It was put on records. It was sold overseas. Um, it was, you know, lots of challenges with rights and copywriting and all that. But long story short, it got to the UK. UK spread it very widely. Uh, a house music song went to the number one chart, number one uh, pop chart in the UK in 1987. That was by um, Steve Hurley, who was one of my classmates. And, you know, within a short period of time, Chicago became known as the house music capital. So it was creating this unique music that was getting spread around the world. And now, you know, people credit house music with giving birth to EDM, that's electronic dance music, to uh, techno, which came out of Detroit shortly after house music. So it's kind of like, I think, the the godmother, godfather of a lot of modern dance music. Mm -hmm. Got it. That's amazing. That was a long explanation, but... No, it's, it's <laughs> really it helpful. Thorough. No, it's really helpful to understand because the, that follow-up question is like, what is it about house music yes. that creates this community? Because, you know, you hear like, oh, there's all these different styles, you know, disco, uh, funk, whatever it is. And they all have large followings and people like the style. 
But what yeah. is it about house music? Because I've heard this consistently from people I've talked to from growing up and living in Chicago, my husband who loves mm -hmm. music, that there's something really special about house music that draws you in, creates this community. So, and, and for it to go from Chicago, yes. the South side, Southwest side of Chicago to the UK and be number one on the charts. Yes. On the pop chart. Right. On the pop charts. Like, <laughs> yeah. What is it about house music? Do you yeah. think? Well, I've got lots of opinions, but I'll, I'll yeah. try to distill them to stay within your time. <laughs> no, you're fine. We can talk as long as you want. <laughs> you know, I think that there's a few elements. I think one is the content. So house music, when it was originated, was really based on a very positive message. So this was about party. It was about love. It was about acceptance. Some of the earliest creators of it, like Frankie Knuckles and Ron Hardy and, 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 and many of the musicians, you know, were these, these really bright and brilliant young people who were about making positive change. So the content really draws you in because you, it's happy music. You know, if you go to a house music picnic anywhere or, you know, a festival, people are smiling. They're having a great time. Because it, you know, not all of it, but most of it, the vast majority of it is just good, happy music. It's about feeling yourself. It's about loving your community. It's about loving each other. It's about being in love. You know, it's kind of rooted in love and spirituality. There's a lot of gospel house music, you know, that's about spirituality. So I think the content is a big piece of it. I think the, the uh, community, as you describe it, is a big piece of it because this was created at a time where you had a very conservative uh, backlash, you know, in the 80s um, that was happening across the nation. You had um, people, uh, the, the, is, there was a disco DAI uh, radio station here in Chicago, and the former uh, disc jockey who, who was there before the disco took over you know, had a horrible night in 1979 where he said disco is dead and he wanted to blow up all the disco records. And it was really about racial issues because the records they were blowing up, it was a lot of white kids from, you know, Chicago's uh, more segregated communities who took that opportunity to like burn all their records by black people. And so, so there was, it was, there was, you know, a, there was a lot of need for the community to come together in a positive way. Um, to deal with what was happening in Chicago, in a very racially segregated city, what was happening in the nation, and to have safe spaces. And so you combine that with people who are, are seeking, you know, community, then you, you have an, an instant, you know, uh, an instant family, so to speak. You'll hear about house music, people saying, that's my family. And these are people you just see once or twice a week. You know, well, I was a club kid, so I saw them all the time. But, <laughs> you know, who were your family? You know, you just had this thing in common. And I think the, the last thing I'll say about it is that it's like chemistry. I guess that's three C's. Uh, the, the chemistry, you know, there is something in you, in-house music. And there yeah. is some research on this that shows that, you know, it, it's, it stimulates parts of your brain. I mean, it, your dopamine, dopamine receptors and those parts of your brain that make you feel good. And because it's not, but what's, what differs from house than funk or rock or what have you is that it's in an environment where it, there's a through line. 
where a DJ is telling a story from the beginning to the end, or several DJs, you know, um, that doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. If you go to a house music party, it is 120 to 130 beats per minute all night long. And so people can get into a trance. And there's something that happens where they are so physically present in that moment with that music that it feels spiritual. It feels good. They go home and wake up feeling better the next day. Like it does something, it alters something. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, I have to unpack that. So content, <laughs> community, chemistry. Yeah, I mean, it. I'm sure it does release all kinds of hormones in your body, in neurotransmitters, in your brain, which we know that happens with music anyway. Absolutely. And it's interesting you keep coming back to the beats per minute because there is that research that shows, you know, depending on the rhythm, the beats per minute of the music, it can throw you into different states of right. awareness of your brain actually starts to synchronize, right? Yes. In a way. And that's kind of what you're talking about. I think so. Some people work to it. I, I know folks who, and it depends on the type of house. So if, if your audience starts Googling house music, you'll see that there is all kinds of uh, subgenres within the house music genre. And so there's okay. gospel house, there's soulful house, there's Jack and house, there's Afro house. There is, you know, ambient house, there's deep house. So some of those tracks, especially deep house and more down temple uh, house and down temple, I mean like 118, 115, it's not like super slow, can help you focus, can help you concentrate. Um, uh -huh. I know a lot of people who put it on while they're working. I know that I used to do that when I needed to really focus, it would, it would help me. Um, mm -hmm. the, the, depending on the, on the tracks. Yeah. There's something about music that is very healing, right? So yes. you've got this genre of music, the style of music. I don't even know if you call it a style genre because it feels like it's so much more than that actually. Yeah. yeah. I think right? you know, pe people say, people describe house music in all kinds of ways. You will hear it called a genre because it, it is a genre. It is something that, you know, artists, aspire toward. I want to be part of that genre of house music. I'm making music to be called house music. But it's also, as I mentioned before, it's kind of an umbrella. You know, like we we bring stuff back from before house music was a thing and we call it house music now, like some disco tracks, we call them house music. And I think some of that goes back to like the chemistry part. It goes back to the community. These are feel good songs. These were this is what I grew up with and and I and I think it's house music. So we kind of adopt other <laughs> styles of music and put it in there. Right. And so I guess where I was going with this is that like music itself has this ability to connect people. I mean, it, it could be any yeah. style, right? Absolutely. But there's something magical about house music because I think there is from everything I've heard and, and the way you're describing it. But what do you think it is about music beyond the, you know, the chemistry and the biochemistry? What is it about music that connects people, do you think? I, I think it's a common language. I think you, mm. you know, we don't have a lot of common languages. You know, we we always are looking for how we're different. And there's something about music. I, I mean, you, you see it all the time. You know, when people love the same band, when you're in a concert or you're in a car 
and someone's that's my jam and everyone's like into it. And so it just forces you to like be present, you know, and there's nothing better than just being in a moment. And when you're in a moment with other people, it just, it's that much better. It it enhances life that, you know, that's why people are drawn to music in crowds together because there's the synergy that happens that does not occur when you're alone. Although that's great. I love, I mean, hey, I scream to the top of my lungs. I sing in the car. I sing in the shower. I love doing it alone. It's a different thing when you're with other people. Yes. there There's a different energy. There's something that happens. It's energetic mm-hmm. actually in this strange mm-hmm. but magical way. You know, my sister actually was just at a K-pop concert in New York City with her oh, fun. 12-year-old daughter and her friend. And she's like, oh my gosh. K-pop is such an interesting phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I mean, most Americans, I mean, it's huge in the U.S. and actually all over the world where yes. nobody even understands the language of what they're singing. And there are stadiums filled in the United States with kids and teenagers yeah. and adults who love K-pop. Yeah, my daughter does too. Right? I don't know what they're saying and we're just jamming. Right. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. it's it's like there's a language beyond the spoken language is what you're getting at. Absolutely. Right? It is. Yeah. It is a language that is that is not about words. You know, it is and, and it maybe maybe we on a deeper level understand what people are saying even when they're not speaking the language that we know. Maybe that's happening. But I think it's the music in and of itself is a language that is universal. It does not matter where you come from. It doesn't matter where you've been. You know, there are songs that speak to our souls directly. And when our souls connect to other people, when that same music is connecting to someone else's soul, your soul connected to that individual. I mean, there, there are people who I love in the house music community who I have never had to my home. I've never, you know, I don't know them outside of that, but when I see them, I feel a like a soulful connection and a, and a deep connection to this human being. Mm-hmm. Because of the music. Because of the music, because of what we shared over these years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And I think that can happen in any genre, you know, with any community. Yeah, for sure. I guess that's what I'm getting at is that that can happen in any style of music, any type of music, any time that music has been made, whether it was, yes. you know, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, or yesterday, yes. right? There mm-hmm. is something about that language of music that you're getting at that right. connects human beings in this way, because it's almost like it's this information that we hold within us as humans, right. like this ability to connect to a beat. You know, they always say that the heartbeat of the earth is something that we know intuitively as humans, and that's what we hear in drumming. Yes. And that, that's absolutely. why drumming is so soul stirring and yes, it can be so healing for people because it's literally the heartbeat of the earth, right? You'll absolutely right. Different sacred medicine circles or um, sacred healers or ancient healers. They add the drumming or that kind of music with a beat. Like, cause it's interesting. You were talking about the beats per minute when you yeah. described house music, because there's something about the beat and I don't know enough about music to understand this. Maybe you do, but mm-hmm. just from my you know, reading and being exposed to people, there's the beats that connect us in some way. 
Yeah. I think it's, it's what you're saying. There is something uh, about a consistent beat. You know, that, that mm. when you talk about what separates like house music from other, like if I'm going to a club and I'm listening to a variety of things, mm-hmm. you stop and people clap and they sit down and they have a drink or what have you. There's a different rhythm that happens when you are in something for 10, 20, 30 minutes straight. And there's a beat that may vary slightly, but it's going to stay within a certain range. And that's very intentional because it is like a heartbeat. It is asking you to fall into a trance. Any culture that sees the drum or rhythm as a central part of their experiences or their traditions or customs, that happens in lots of places where that drum is a central part of that. We borrow that, you know, for our music in the United States, but it's, it's been around for thousands of years. Yeah. No, and it's interesting, your point about it not being interrupted, that, you mm-hmm. know, in a house music concert or if you go to a, a club and you're listening to house music for a few hours, there's no breaks. No, it no just breaks. continues. So how did they figure that out? Like it was <laughs> intentional or did it just happen by accident? That's really interesting. Yeah. You're asking a great question. I, I need to kind of <laughs> search my files to, to, to look at what people say to that because I'm not sure how they figured it out. I do know that the technology had a lot to do with it. So I think that, you know, the ability to mix songs, there was a, you know, a mixer is a, is a piece of machinery that allows you to connect two different devices. So in the beginning, that might've been a reel to reel and one turntable and then a tape deck and another tape deck. But when it really took off was when someone in their wisdom discovered two turntables and a mixer that I could go for a long time and people are not getting off the dance floor. You know, these are early DJs, Larry LeVan, you know, Frankie Knuckles, others who were discovering this in New York and Chicago and other places. And I think that um, they kind of just stumbled on that magic that they, you didn't have to take a break, that it would, it would actually build and build and build. And as a DJ, you see that, and there's a way to, um, create that story and that through line for an entire evening. Um, now, I kind of like to mix it up a little bit. I, and when I say mix it up, um, I'm still doing 120, 130 beats a minute, but different types of styles, you know, some that's harder, some that's softer, um, so that people can take a breath, you know, because it, yeah. you know, the older you get, the more exhausted you do that when you're like 20, you want to bang your head for five hours. But, you know, there's, there's a way to, um, to soften it even, believe it or not, and stay within that, that, those parameters. Um, so it's, it's very complicated, um, but it's also simple. You know, it's just be, being present, staying there as long as you want, as long as you can. And some people, you know, can do it for five minutes and some can do it for five hours. Mm-hmm. You have had a huge career in public health. I mean, you are known all over this country as you know, one of the leading voices in activism around HIV AIDS education and organizing. And it's it's incredible what you've done. Thank you. And you still, every now and then, I mean, I know you don't play that often. You still DJ. Yeah. Why? Uh, I I think I have to. (laughs) I think I Mm -hmm. have to. And I, I enjoy it. You know, it is, um, 
there were times where I needed to make money. You know, I was like you say in public health doesn't make you rich. And at a, at a point when we were hanging out, when I was raising my niece and I was, you know, trying to help my family. And so, um, I was using DJing as a way to supplement my income. And I did that for many, many years. Um, and that became less fun and less necessary as I matured and got better jobs, et cetera. But I still feel that it, it was necessary for me as an artistic outlet because I see it as artistry, you know, that I think about this. I think about people. I think about a, an environment. If I'm asked to do a, a club or a special event, and I know, you know, that there's likely going to be 100 people at this one, but there'll be 10,000 people at that one you know, it forces me into an artistic space. Like, how do I come prepared? What is it that I'm trying to communicate? How will I mesh with the other people around me? And so I find that it's just, it's necessary for my brain, you know, to kind of go through that exercise as an artist, to stay relevant to myself, Mm -hmm. to feel that I'm contributing to my own development as I am contributing to the community. I'm very blessed that people still ask me to do events. And I probably do one a month in summer, a little bit more often but just enough so that I can um, continue to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And so what's so interesting about that is that you said that it takes so much preparation because you're really thinking really thoughtfully Mm -hmm. about how are you connecting the through line in the music, right? You talked about creating a story that that's what house music DJs do is that there's like a story you're creating. Absolutely. How are you creating a place of connection for all the people who come to listen to you? But then there's also Something interesting you said, which was how are you connecting to an audience of a thousand versus ten thousand? Right. It is interesting and it's and it's challenging. Uh, and you need to be prepared. I have a little group that I work with now. It's we call ourselves the good girls. And it's two women who are just lovely, Darlene Jackson and Hannah Vidi, both of whom Dar- Darlene Jackson is iconic in Chicago. She goes by DJ Lady D. And Hannah Vidi goes by Vidi Girl. And we we sort of became a collective by accident. We sort of discovered each other a few years ago, right before the pandemic. And we just started doing events together. And I realized by joining this collective, it kind of made me up my game. I'd have to really think about stuff when I showed up because Lady D and Hannah are very serious about their craft. They DJ much more often than I do now. Um, and I remember one night going to, there's a part, there's a bar here called the Smart Bar uh, in Chicago. It's well known. It's on Chicago's North Side. It's, it gets pretty crowded. Um, lots of concerts there. Prince performed at Metro, which is upstairs. So it's a pretty, pretty big deal. And uh, I was going to play that night with another iconic DJ. Her name is Honey Dijon, and she's internationally known, but she's also a friend who I've known, you know, since she was very young. And I felt a bit pressured. And uh, my friend Hannah, who's in my DJ collective, she's like, so uh, how are you going to prepare for this? And I'm like, you're right. I really do. I need, to, I need to do my homework. So, you know, it, it forced me to really think about every element. How, what is it like to play with Darlene, who was playing that night? What is it like to play with, how am I going to distinguish some, you know, how do, I, how do I elevate the next person who's coming behind me? You know, how do I... And how do I make my own mark so that people are enjoying it? So how to differentiate myself from the other DJ, but connect to these. It's just a lot of work. Um, and I don't know that club goers can appreciate that, but it, but DJs put a lot of research into what they're doing if they're, if they are good at it. And I hope to say that most of the time I am, 
Uh, so, and that night, you know, I, I really had a wonderful time because of what Hannah said to me. She's like, how are you going to prepare for it? And I was like, I really need to think seriously about this one. Um, and it was an amazing experience. And not only, my, I had a great set and my set was about two hours and people really loved it. And I got a lot of new fans, but, um, but I just enjoyed myself so much. And I was so thankful for the experience. Like, it's so nice to just wake up and just feel like refreshed and energized by an experience that you help create. You know, it's, there's nothing like that. I know a lot of performers feel that way. I wasn't exhausted. I felt energized and, and, and exhilarated and like, I need to do more of that. Mm-hmm. And so what it sounds like to me, it's like you have through your music and through your DJing and your art, it's a way for you to connect to others. Yes, it is. Right. It's not even just about creating that space for the people coming to the event, you know, whether it was the events we were, you know, I was helping you with as a young woman in medicine, like going into medicine and we were doing all these cool parties for HIV AIDS education. I mean, you are creating that connection point for all those people, but it's also for you. It feeds me. It absolutely feeds yeah. me. I mean, it's it's a selfish thing too. I I love creating community, but that's because it feeds me. You know, I, I kind of need it. I, I'm a both introvert, extrovert, you know, kind of person. And that that extrovert, you know, is a very social creature. Um, and and that gives me um permission and it gives me access in a way that is so fulfilling. Um and 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 I, I meet so many wonderful people by doing this, people who appreciate what I'm bringing, people whom I appreciate, you know, because of what, what they give to eat to me and to each other. Um, and it's it's a beautiful community. So I, I I love it for more than just the music. It's you know, if it were not for the people, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do this. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it's a mutual love fest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so how do you think music heals people? Because we've talked about the power of music bringing people together mm-hmm. or for educating people in the case of the work that I did with you around music and parties and events. Yeah. What is it about music that heals people? I think that music has so much power to take you into a different state of mind. And everything starts with your state of mind. So if you are um, in a state of mind where you're, you're, you're coming from an area of whatever it is, uh, what, uh, that, uh, something that is the opposite of health or the opposite of happiness, music has the power to bring you out of it. It has the power to put you in a different state of mind. It's designed to do that. It, the chemistry happens. Like it's not an accident that you feel better when you are jogging and you're listening to your favorite track, like everything's working yeah. together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's intentional. That's d- by design. And that is a healing thing. Music is healing in and of itself. And, and I think I could say that for almost all music. Now, not all music is positive and all music is, you know, healthy. And there are some things right. that we don't need to listen to. Uh, mm-hmm. That's your choice. But there's so much overwhelming evidence, you know, that that music, that just the, you know, the way that it is designed, the different genres appealing to different people, that it 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 it, it there there is this intrinsic value to just uh, embracing that and being a part of it and, and being engulfed by it, 
you know, that has a power to, to change your health, you know, mm-hmm. to actually mm-hmm. physically change your health, to change your heartbeat, to change your mental state, to change your psychology, to change your physical state. I mean, dancing is very powerful. It is. People need to dance. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like one of the things about what you're describing with house music mm-hmm. and the, you know, the continuous nature of it, the beats per minute, it's almost like you can't help but move. Right. Right. You can just be sitting on the sidelines and the next thing you know, you're on the middle of the dance floor because there's something about that that moves your body. Mm-hmm. And that's another connection point to other people or connection to healing, moving energy through you. Right. Whatever it is, right? Like people always say, just dance it out, move it out, right? Yeah. That's kind of what you're speaking to. Absolutely. And we don't talk about the connection that people have as dancers. That in in the early, you know, one of the things that made house music so unique was that you didn't have to have a partner because you were part of this moving body. You know, the whole room was breathing together. You know, you didn't have to, you could just, you didn't have to be choreographed. You didn't have to think about it too hard. You could just go and just be yourself. You can move a little or move a lot, but just be a part of this organism. It's like a living thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's dancing. Yeah. And it's like coming up for me is like, it's like the heartbeat of the earth, right? Yes. It's almost like yes. creating this, this breathing, living organism, but it's in community with other people. It's mm-hmm. not just you. Right. And I always say this about Ayurveda. It's like this, when you start to understand that you are part of something so much larger than yourself yes, and you start to you know, sync up with nature and the universe in this way through these different ways, right? Whether it's going outside in nature or going to a house music party, you are part of something else that's bigger than yourself. And that's healing. It is. It is. It's, of course, it's healing because you are empowered. You are broadened. Mm. You're expanded. All of those things speak to healing. All of those things speak to community and just the power of, of connectivity. You know, that is so important. You're bigger than yourself. We are all, we are all connected and you can choose to acknowledge that and participate in it, or you could choose to sit on the sidelines. But I promise you being in that movement is going to make you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. However you decide to participate, you are connected. Absolutely. Really. Right. Huge. Wow. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to think about. And it's profound. I'm thinking about the fact that how lucky am I that you were one of my first mentors and I get to have this conversation with you. And I had those experiences that really shaped me as a person and as a health professional. I mean, it's had a lasting impact on me. Thank you. I, I can't thank you enough. And I will thank you forever and ever. But I, I just feel like this is a good place to end because I could, we could keep talking because there's so many more things and maybe we will. We'll just do another episode. Anytime. But I really wanted my audience to really hear about music and healing and community because I feel like you are just the embodiment of that for me. Thank you. Um, and I wanted to share that. Thank you. I appreciate you. I would love to ask you one last question. It feels like a good place to end our time on this episode (laughs) is, you know, when I offer up the phrase to be a healing catalyst or to have a healing catalyst, what comes up for you? 
Wow. I think that is, um, I think we all have the potential to be healing catalysts for ourselves and for each other. And if I want to, if I want to connect it to music is, uh, you know, find, find what you love because there's something for everyone. Not everyone is going to be a househead <laughs> like me, but there's some music that's going to speak to you independently and to you as joining a community of, of lovers, you know, that there's a community out there waiting for you uh, to, to, to expand and to transform them as they transform you. Yeah. Lori, thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you. It's really, really my pleasure. Thanks again for listening to The Healing Catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, find me on Instagram at avantikumarsingh. I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.